Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 30th, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting. Whoops, we turned the page. <laughs> um, today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 44 in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are reading the second paragraph and sharing on that paragraph only. And that's the one that begins with, To one who feels he is an atheist. Today's readers are Dana M., Marie J., and Matthew F. And for the 12 steps, we're going to have Rocky E. The 12 traditions will be Chris G. And the newcomer greeter will be Kathy M. And the host of the second hour is Sima M. The reference numbers for yesterday, which was Monday, July 29th, the 7 a.m. meeting was 13,210, 13210. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, the code is 13,213, that's 13213. The OAE preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any private or public organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rocky E. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Rocky. Rocky, can can you hear me? I can. Okay. Rocky E., compulsive overeater from New York. Um, The 12th step. One, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our prayers. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Okay, someone's unmuted. Okay. Um, the 12th step, thank you for reading the 12th step, Rocky. And now, Chris G., will you read the 12 traditions? Sure. Good morning. This is Chris G. in Connecticut, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but just trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Have a great day, all. Thank you so much, Chris G. And now here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1, which will unmute you. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, We Agnostics, on page 44, the second paragraph, which begins with, 
to one who feels he is an atheist. And we're going to ask Dana M. to start us off this morning. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for your service. Am I being heard? Yes. Thank you, thank you. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. I am Dana M. Compulsive, Recovered Compulsive Eater. And when I first came in, I thought, what are these holy rolling wackadoos talking about? My HP tells me this, my higher power tells me that. I thought to myself, I remember, you know, okay, uh uh-huh, of course he does. It's just not for me. Now, of course, until my own higher power (laughs) did start speaking to me, now he does. I'm one of those wackadoos. And uh, now that the food is down and I'm willing to connect, there he is. My higher power gives me intuitive thoughts about the next right thing. All day, every day, it's really just a matter of me uh, deciding to take action on those intuitive thoughts that are connected to my higher power. Thank God I finally ran out of ideas and put down the food and some other things for that matter. And I listened. There's no doubt in my mind, I'm of the hopeless and helpless variety. The difference today is that I'm taking action that can be seen, heard, and even felt at times. Hallelujah. Nobody likes being cornered. I certainly don't like being cornered, but most of my good Growth comes from stuff I don't like, at least not initially. (laughs) And uh, that's really what needed to happen for me. Let me tell you that living along spiritual lines sure beats picking up nowadays for anyone out there who is still sick and suffering. And I am so grateful to all of you for lighting the way and showing me how it's done. Recover, recover, recover. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Dana M. All right, now we're going to um, ask for people who would like to share. If you haven't shared on the recorded meeting in the last day or two and you'd like to do that this morning, please say your name and trust that I will do my very best to hear everyone who wants to share. So who would like to do that? Someone S. Tina S. Tina S. And there was someone before Tina. Nancy P. Someone P. Nancy P. Nancy P. Okay. So I have Nancy P. and Tina S. Who else? Vasa O. Okay. I have Vasa O. And there were a couple before Vasa O. So only if you've already Please, Marie S. Marie J. Oh, I'm having a hard time this morning. I have Nancy P, Tina S, and someone else starting with S. 
Ali Nessa S. R. Nessa R. Marie Cindy J. M. Marie J. Cindy M. R. Cindy. Okay. I think that's all I can take Ali right S. now. I have Nancy P. Tina S. Nessa R. Vasa O. Marie J. and Cindy J. That's the lineup. Go ahead, Nancy P. Will you get us started, please? Sure. Thanks, Penny. This is Nancy P. calling from Newton, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. So to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, I still am very agnostic in spite of having recovered. But the good news is that's okay. They, they say right here in this chapter, to, we agno- to the agnostics, uh, to we agnostics. So they think themselves that they're agnostics. Um, and, you know, I got to say, it says, you know, the, um, it's like, you know, to choose between being alcoholic, uh, an alcoholic death and live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face, otherwise known as being between a rock and a hard place. And that's where I was. Um, I was thinking that, you know, okay, it didn't send me back to the couch just the thought of stopping eating sent me right back to the couch with a bag of chips or something. And um, just the thought of it exhausted me. And when I got out of that sort of mindset and I realized, okay, I'm going to, it seems like I might be able to stop. Uh Oh, the only way to do it is this way. I was, you know, of course I was so desperate. I would do anything, but the, the, you know, like it's one thing to be desperate and then, but you got to have the, materials to move forward and when I realized what the materials were I really was in sort of not hopeful because you know I how was I to know that this method of you know this sort of rigorous way of going through the big book or going through the steps was going to work for me I didn't know I mean I tried a million things different meetings more meetings different food plans more food less food all different things, right? With and without a solemn oath, right? With, for me, that was with and without tears. Like, please help me stop eating to a God that I didn't believe in. And um, when I realized that my fear of living, you know, letting go of everything and living on a spiritual basis wasn't the big boogeyman that I thought it was, um, or really that I knew it was, you know, the prejudices that I had to let go of. I was prejudiced against the spiritual lifestyle. And when I realized that I wasn't going to disappear and into smoke in that, that I was still going to be me, I was still going to have the same sense of humor, I was still going to be the same, essentially the same person, then I began to be less afraid. And I began to, um, you know, sort of, you know, dip my toe in a little deeper. And, um, um, you know, I, I can say that I, thought that I was going to do these things in real time. But just because I read this stuff doesn't mean that I had to do it right then. It was a gradual process that I did over the course of many weeks and, and um, conversations with my sponsor. And finally, 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 I was, I got there. It was really one day at a time that, you know, that my weight came off and that I got, you know, sort of jumped into this, um, this nice warm bath. Um, of spiritual living and I can't I have to say that my life is completely different but I'm I'm my life is different and I'm different but it but the essential person that I always was is still there I still have my wonderful sense of humor I still have my curiosity I still have my you know my life my the trappings of my life my you know where I live my neighbors my friends 
that's all the same. And it's just that I fit better into it and I'm and I enjoy it much more. Oh, sorry, and I'm and I'm grateful. So thank you so much for letting me share and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And now Tina S and she's going to be followed by Nessa R. Tina. Tina Thanks so much, Penny. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Thanks for your service. Wow, what a great paragraph. Great chapter. Uh, I love what you said right before we started, Penny, that this uh, was maybe not your favorite chapter, but one that changed your life because that is so my experience, so my experience, not my favorite, but certainly did change my life. And, you know, I love the previous shares. You know, one of the things that I know is, you know, my experience is I came in at being raised Catholic and thought, well, you know, hey, I really need to just start at chapter five. You know, why do we need to do the first four paragraphs? I mean, yeah, first four chapters, you know. I believed in God and I'm let's go, you know, and that kept me stuck for such a very long time, you know, such a very long time. You know, the previous chapter says, uh, it, you know, if we can answer the two questions, if we're a real alcoholic, you know, that if that, that may be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer, you know, and I, and I was doomed if I did not accept this. You know, and and I love that it also talks about to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis. They're not easy. I played with that for a long time, you know, and stayed in the disease of compulsive eating, you know, because, hey, do I want to accept spiritual help or do I just want to just give up? Many times I wanted to just give up. But the good news was in this chapter, it tells me I could be right where I am and start. I didn't have to be anyplace else. And that's what I thought. I had to be someplace different. You know, I came to believe in a power greater than myself. I didn't already believe. You know, I was certainly an agnostic. And I thought that I had a great idea of what God was. And I did. God worked for you, but he certainly wasn't working for me. You know, and when I kind of believed that, that I just came to believe, I was willing. You know, I didn't even believe. I was willing. And then I went on with the rest of the steps. And that's what I did mostly from each step to the next. I was just ready to go on to the next one and do the work. You know, and I was always told there's work to be done. And today there's work to be done. If I want to have this transformation, spiritual awakening, I've got to do the deal. Because you know? when I came in here initially, I just sat by somebody and thought maybe I could get it from them. That didn't happen for me. You know, so bottom line is today I'm so grateful to be among among you all and to have this meeting that is a saving grace for sure and, and to live free from the compulsion of food obsession. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina S. And next is Nessa R., and she'll be followed by Vasa. Go ahead, Nessa. Hi. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., and um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So to die compulsively overeating or to live by spiritual health, so like what kind of circumstances brought me to, to choose to live by spiritual health? And, you know, we actually read the companion paragraph to this one in our face-to-face meeting last night, and that's um, um, bottom of page 25 where it says, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we passed into the regions from which there is no return to human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. The other 
to accept spiritual help? And to me, the answer was in this phrase, intolerable situation. Like, what is the intolerable situation that I'm binging my brains out um, day in and day out, that I don't want to be doing that, that I, um, you know, weigh over 200, almost 200 pounds in a very small frame, and I don't want to weigh that, that my relationships have been destroyed, that I'm miserable, but I want to be happy. Um, that's not the intolerable situation. The intolerable situation is the fact that when I put down the food and I'm abstinent, I have no solution to my life problems. I have no ability to live life, um, to process reality on my own terms. And so when the food is removed and I'm abstinent, but not recovered or not working the steps, I have nothing to help me cope. And that is an intolerable situation that is very easily resolved by picking up again. And so I had to get to a point where the pain of being in the food was greater than the pain of not being in the food. Because, you know, while, when, when the pain of, of being in the food is not, um, as, as, uh, the pain of not being in the food is greater, then food is always going to be an option. And when food is an option, food is going to be the only option. So I have to get to a place where, you know, just the food doesn't do it anymore. But in order to remedy the intolerable situation, entire abstinence, which is a prerequisite, has to be immediately followed by working the steps um, in, in, in order and very rapidly so that the boogeyman of the mental obsession doesn't get me. And then, you know, of course, I can make the decision that I want to live with spiritual help, which is what these steps avail me to. The spiritual help is God. But just because I realize I need God doesn't um, avail me of God immediately. I have to remove the blockages, and that's, that's what the steps do when they work in entire abstinence. And um, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa. And now we're going to have Vasa O. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. I'm Vasa. Grateful, grateful, recover compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I can relate 100% with this paragraph. When I first came to my first meeting, I felt like I was atheist, but I was embarrassed to admit it because I didn't want people to laugh at me. I grew up in a communist country where we were thought there was no God in school, teachers. And people were mocked that believed in God, especially people that had uh, government jobs or people that were doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, teachers. And uh, I remember my father was a pastor, and they would sneak at nighttime to be to have uh, to be married by the church like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, or to have their babies christened. They wanted to believe, but they were afraid to believe because they didn't want to lose their jobs. So I had the tendency to believe more like the way I was taught in school, the way they were, the teachers were forced to teach their children there was no God. So I, I had the tendency to believe, okay, there's no God. So I didn't know who to believe or what to believe. But it's a CM. It, for me, it would have uh, to continue doing what I was to continue as he will, he man, 
he means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic from a food addict of the hopeless variety, to be doomed to alcohol death. Well, I was ready and I was willing to, I was doomed because I could not stop eating. And if I continued doing what I was doing, I was just going to die. It was going to take me down. So I was willing to take the spiritual concept of a higher power. I'm grateful that I was not brought into a church. I mean, I did go to church, but I just did, went through the motions, you know, like everybody did. But I was very skeptical, you know, if there, was, there really was God out there. And there was nothing more that brought me closer to God than, than this uh, program. And the, the third step, we're not there yet. We're still in the agnostic. And I was very confused. Am I agnostic? Am I atheist? I didn't know who I was or what. And this program has brought me closer to my higher power, which I call God. And I just, I've gone back to church, too. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And next we have Marie J., and she'll be followed by Cindy J. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. This is Marie J., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, even though I, I grew up uh, in a strict religious environment, I came to this program, and I took the time to cross out every, every word of God in the big book when I started this program. So that's how, that's how I started out. I was so angry and God abandoned me. And when I finally came around to understanding that, okay, I got to find something of a spiritual experience or I'm going to not recover. I went to my brother who's super religious, super faithful. I adore him, but he's not at all like me. And he told me a parable and I had this, this was the turning point for me. He said there was um, a donkey who was starving and a wealthy landowner put the donkey between two piles of hay and said, choose one of these piles of hay and eat never to be hungry again. You know, live forever. Eat, eat the hay. But the ass couldn't choose. The donkey could not make a choice, and he died of starvation. And my brother said, Marie, this is just about a choice, you know, and it's, it's entirely yours to make, Marie. This is your choice. There's ample evidence about not even evidence, there's ample opinion about the existence of God, and it's on both sides. It's there, you know, there's plenty of opinion about what God is, what God isn't, and it doesn't matter because, you know, you get to choose what you want to believe. There's no proof. There's only your experience, he said to me. And so here we are being offered a way out of our pain of addiction, and it says right here to be doomed to that addiction is death. So it's just a choice we make. And while I was madder in hell at God for my whole life, I still wanted recovery more. And I didn't know if I believed in God in the traditional sense that I was raised in. And guess what? None of that matters either. It doesn't matter. It took me a while, but I just ended up choosing to be willing to believe and not needing to have a definition or explain anything to what I explained to anybody what I believed, what, God, what I thought God was. I just kept asking for the experience that they talk about in this book. I am willing to be in this spiritual experience, and I just became open and asked for this connection that everybody talked about. And I still don't know much about the higher power. I don't, and I don't have to. Because I have an experience. I have a powerful 
spiritual experience that I cannot explain to you. And the longer that I surrender to this spiritual experience, the more I let go of needing to define it, needing to be in control of it, and needing to know where I'm going with it. I just have faith that there is this higher power, and I'm not it. That's all I need to know. And and my life goes on. I am recovered, and I have this powerful experience of the higher power, and I'm not in charge. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks very much, Marie J. And now Cindy J. Cindy, are you there? Do you mean Cindy M? Oh, Cindy M. Thank you for that correction. Yes, go ahead, Cindy. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> this is Cindy M, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I always thought I was very non-agnostic and that I knew what I believed and that what I believe was totally the truth, but it didn't help me with eating. And um, I've heard someone say that agnostic just means without knowledge. And certainly I had a lot to learn. And um, so glad I heard so many people say how they experienced God in this disease and how they recovered. And um I'm just amazed at how I can be neutral with food and and how I've learned how to live my life. Um, and it's because I was, uh, I became open to learning more about, about God in a, in a way I had never looked at before. My God was more interested in showing me what I did wrong. And um, the God of my understanding now is more interested in, <clears throat> in showing me his, his love or her love, whoever, um, and, um, and accepting me the way I am and, and me accepting me the way I am and me accepting others the way they are. And, and it's just changed my whole life. I mean, Yes, uh, learning about God um, as a teenager and as an, an adult changed my life then. And this has just um, <clears throat> opened up my eyes to uh, to living in a, a much more agreeable, much more accepting way that, you know, I don't need to fix everybody. I, don't, I can't fix myself. Um, God needs to fix me. I just got to. I've just got to do the work and take the steps. <clears throat> and I'm amazed how how this book, um, I feel like it's inspired. And um, I really, I really do. I just feel like it's it's just so inspired. And I just get better and better the more I study this book, the more I work with others. Um, you know, it, giving service is not, is not hard. It it's wonderful. I get to help and um, and be helped by by others. So I thank you so much for this opportunity to share, and I pass. Thank you, Cindy M. And just a reminder that we are on page forty four, the second paragraph this morning. It's the paragraph which starts with. To one who feels he is an atheist, 
And now I'm ready to take more names, especially anyone I missed in the first round. Paula S. Linda D. from hey. Connecticut. Amy G. from Maryland. Okay, hold on just a minute. The first person's initial was S, her last initial. What, what was the first? Paula. Paula S. is in Frank. Carla? Paula. I'm going to ask you. Paula with a P. Paula. Yes. Okay. And Linda D. And then somebody who was last initial. Jane B. Jane, J-A-N-E-B. Shane? Jane, J-A-N-E-B. Oh, okay, Jane. And now who else? I have three. Amy G. G. Morazi. G. Wait, right, who did I miss? Amy. Got it. It seems like so many people are coming, coming uh, in together today. Okay, uh, this who I have. Paula S, Linda D, Jane G, Amy G, Maura Z, and who was before Maura, please? Who well, was in there? This is Julie E B. Julie E B. Okay, that's it for this round, okay? All right. So again, Cindy M, Paul I mean excuse me, Cindy shared. Paula S., Linda D., Jane G., Amy G., Julie E.B., and Maura Z. And so um, get us started again, Paula. Yes, um, Paula S., very, very, very grateful compulsive overeater. Um, When I read this paragraph, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. For me, I was raised a specific religion, and I remember in the early days before OA, I went to confession many times and I would have a binge, and the priest, of course, would absolve me, uh, and then, of course, a few days would go by and I would repeat the same behavior. So for me, I believed in a God, but I, I was angry because why wouldn't God take this food problem away? Um, and today, I've had many times in my life where I, you know, I've not been atheist, but I've been agnostic, where I've had a lot of questions about things, especially when my parents passed away in the last year. Um, so the spiritual plane of this program is what keeps me going. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty new person in the vision part of OA. I just went through um, the steps in the big book with my sponsor, so I've been you know, involved in this wonderful process for the past month. And I have to tell you, my whole life has changed. My depression is gone. I'm at peace. I'm not resentful anymore. And I had many, many things, even though I had done the steps before, I needed to redo everything. And now, gratefully, that 10th step uh, that I do several times a day at moments, um, to know there's people out there for me. Um, And I'm also a new sponsor. I have two wonderful, wonderful people I sponsor. So this is the spiritual part of the program for me, and it's a much easier choice than a food death. And for me, the depression, you know, becomes very, very, very powerful when I get into the food and I get start to isolate. So I am free from those things today, thanks to this beautiful, beautiful program. And I'm grateful to be here, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula S. And then we're going to have Linda D., and she'll be followed by Jane G. Go ahead, Linda. 
Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Hi, Penny. I'm uh, so grateful to be with you to read my favorite chapter. I was an atheist, and I was a hard sell when I came into the program a very long time ago. It's very close to 40 years ago. I um, I should say I'm recovered five and a half years, um, but I came in f- almost 40 years ago. When I came in, I did not want to hear the word God. I didn't want to hear the pronoun he and any of that stuff, and I was raised raised to be super polite and not say that and kiss up to everybody, but I didn't want to hear it, but I was doomed, and I knew it. I know what doomed feels like. I live in the house where um, I was raised, and I used to call this house that I live in now a hellhole, but the hellhole was between my ears, and this disease brought me to the... um, to doom beyond, um, just beyond words. And so I did what I was told to do to the best of my ability. And so what happened? Uh, God showed up. I don't have a problem with that word today at all. I don't believe God is real. I know God is real. I don't always use the word God. Sometimes I use the word divine. That's more comfortable. Uh, but it's it's all the same thing. This program asked me to surrender my self-destructive self and become my authentic self. That's what's buried underneath the crap. That's what the steps are for, to take me out of fear and ignorance and uh, arrogance to love. That is what God is about. And I wouldn't know that, except I'm living it. So every day I have to say, I don't have to, I want to, because I don't want to be crazy and locked up. I have to say, show me what you want. And listen to that intuition, that goodness, that divinity, that sacredness, that whatever you want to call it. It's huge. It's huge beyond huge, and it's saturated with love for me and you, and that's what I want to be part of, and I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Jane G., it's your turn. Hi, this is Jane B. from Florida. Grateful to be here. Um, Yeah, this little paragraph is packed with so much. Um, It is really amazing how many of us come from different backgrounds, and yet we end up in the same place, hopeless. Um, I'm I'm definitely one of the hopeless variety, but I didn't get there overnight. It took a while. It took a while of getting to the point of no return. There was no getting on a food plan, back on a food plan, back in a jumping into something new, a new alternative. The only alternative I have is to live a different life. I didn't like that. I hated the idea of living differently. The spiritual basis of living, oh, my God. It seemed like a hardcore skeptic like me could never get to that point of believing. And then and maybe the knowing part. I could say I believed, and I said it at meetings, and and I followed some directions, but I never 
wondered to myself, what would it be like if I really followed everything? Oh, not me. I can't do everything. It's, it's, it's because of the desperation that I felt the last time I went out and I just didn't want to come back to reality. And I saw no hope. I didn't even think abstinence would would work again. It would work, but it would leave me empty to what life was all about, which was it was empty for me. So I had to see another alternative. And with a blessing of this program and the, the wonderful sponsors who made my my journey, one that came alive to me for the first time through the big book, reading the big book line by line, I was actually able to say there's a possibility I can do I can give up my will and be look for this alternative way of living. And it took even a few more years of relapse and a few more years of coming to the end of self, S E L F, that I realized I have to seek something. And, of course, I ended up, I don't know, accidentally, maybe on purpose, maybe God planned it, going into this meditation class and opening up my eyes to the fact that I couldn't sit still with myself. And I had to learn how to sit still. And I had to learn that it wasn't going to hurt me and that I wasn't going to die without the food. And, boy, was that a spiritual awakening. And then from there, the journey just began, just beginning after 20-something years in program. So it takes takes what it's taking for me. And it's still, I'm still a student of learning. I'm still a spiritual student of the big book, but I still have to, have to try out my new muscles. I have to try out my new way of living and, and apply it. I can't, you know, I guess, Spirituality without action is just a lot of, you know, both. It's self-con of all things. Knowledge without action is, 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 isn't going to get me very far. So I'm very grateful. I'm still hesitant to speak on the meetings because... That's time, Jane. Thank you very much. Just that I, 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 I don't know if I'm... I am recovered, but, you know, I still have my doubts at times. But I do feel this loving presence of a higher power. Thank you. Thank you, Jane B. Amy G. and she'll be followed by Julie E. B. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for such an awesome meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater So here uh, from Maryland. So here we are. We're in the chapter to the agnostic. And I also came to this program firmly, firmly agnostic. And... You know, those two alternatives were very difficult for me to face. But so much so, I mean, here we are. We're in the chapter to the agnostic. It seems like they knew and had experienced similar circumstances, so much so that they wrote a chapter to the folks like us that struggled with some sort of concept of a higher power. So we have a whole chapter to dig into and dive into how it is that people work this program when they have no concept or a weird concept, or a different concept, or we're like me who are absolutely furious and angry about the whole higher power thing. And what was so beautiful is that I had someone say to me once, you know, look, I don't care if you think it's Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it isn't you and it's something that's greater than you, 
And I understood that because when I came to this program, I was eating against my own will, against everything that I knew that the food was doing to me and the bulimia was doing to me. I still was eating and putting those binge foods in my mouth. So backed up against the wall, those two alternatives were incredibly difficult to face, but I was told by people in whom the problem had been solved that there was a way. And as long as I was the how of the program, as they say, honest, open, and willing, that this too could happen for me, that I could get access to that power as long as I was willing to take the action. You know, they say faith without works was dead. If I was even going to explore this, I was going to have to learn how to be honest. And I can honestly tell you I knew that I was doomed by this disease and it was going to kill me. And could I be honest and open? Absolutely, I could be open because my way wasn't working. But somebody, but in you all, I saw something in you all and in your eyes and the peace that you were having, that you were not only abstinent, but you were doing so contentedly. And I wanted that. So, yes, I was open for what you had to say because my way wasn't working. And was I willing to take the action? That's what they said. If I was willing to work the steps, the rest of this would follow, that my growth and my spirituality would grow through the process of working the steps. I didn't have to believe in a God. I didn't have to believe anything. But if I was willing to take action, the rest would follow. So I had to believe in you all and and whom the problem had been solved. I had to believe that that could be something for me if I was willing to take action. You know, in my humble opinion, in this program, we don't think our way into a new way of acting and believing. We act our way into a new way of believing and thinking. That's the only way it works for me because I can't think my way to be recovered here because my mind and my thinking is warped by my obsession for this compulsive overeating. So I had to try a different way, and I had to be willing. And like it says in the AA 12 and 12, you know, John Barleycorn, and for me, Sarah Lee Entenmans was our best advocate. You know, bruised and battered and in so much pain from the disease, I was willing to try something different, even if it was an unknown. But I trusted in what you all told me would work, and I went ahead and took the next step. I made that choice to surrender and take the action, even though I feared what I did not know. But the pain of where I was, you know that thing, the pain of where you are, you'll get moving. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy G. And next is Julie E.B., and she'll be followed by Maura. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Good morning. This is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado today. And, um, you know, what does it mean if I'm stuck? Um, this paragraph says I'm stuck between the impossible and disaster. And uh, that's, that summarizes my life when I was in the food. I was stuck between the impossible and the disaster. And um, I would have told you maybe that I needed to skip this chapter. And the reason I need to skip this chapter is because I had a religious faith. And it was a faith that was uh, full of love and um, grace and hope and forgiveness for every single person except me. And um, where I was concerned, I would drive myself constantly by what I came to regard as the blocks to God in my life, which were um, fear. I try to make myself scared and thus um, stay away from the food. Uh, resentment, anger, go over grudges, problems. Um, and guilt, knowing that I just wasn't good enough, that I was never going to be the perfect person. And uh, that was, for me, 
um, to continue on was a disaster. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I had to eat all the time. I had to hide in my room. Um, you know, I, I um, was an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And um, <laughs> to doom to death was something that I would consider upon occasion, uh, not actively as much as, as just uh, continuing down 42 years old and multiple hospitalizations, six medical specialists, pulmonologists, cardiologists, um, living on a spiritual basis. What do you mean I already know um, about God? I have a degree in God, actually. And uh, But how could this be such a hard alternative? Well, as, as someone said yesterday, we agnostics. Agnostics is about unknowing. Uh, about the fact that we don't know things. It's not about not not God. It's about not knowing. And I did not know that there was some some way to feel a sense of love and grace and joy at the center of my being. I did not know um, that if I stepped down from my job of playing God, of trying to run my kids' lives and my husband's life and my mom's life and everyone else's life, that um, there was this amazing thing of asking, what if there's a power greater than me? Throughout this chapter, the number one thing I learned was that I was very agnostic with regards to my kids. I was constantly trying to shape, control, manage. And then I was uh, atheistic with regard to um, a lot of things in my life that I just thought had to stay impossible, impossible impossible. So this does seem impossible to many of us as we start. Putting down the food seemed impossible because of that pain someone spoke about earlier, my intolerable situation, which was just how I live life. It was so painful. And yet, um, I just would encourage people, don't don't start in the middle of the book. Get a sponsor and start at the beginning and, and just get get that food down. And you would be amazed to understand the things that you don't know um, whether you have a faith, a no faith, a, 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 a aversion to this, um, because to be stuck between impossible and disaster um, is is a very challenging alternative to faith. You're not alone, and we're all here for you. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Julie E.B. and Maura Z. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for your service. Um, Maura Z recovered and trying to start her timer. Ah, there it is. Ah, recovered by God's grace and mercy this morning. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. Well, here was my dilemma. I believed in God. I knew he, she, it existed. I'd seen, you know, um, I'd heard stories of miracles and so on and so forth. I'd seen people in the rooms who had this inner peace that they were just never flustered. Um, And they just, you know, were just, you know, working this program and just filled with grace. And, And first of all, back then, I didn't even know what grace meant. I had no clue. But when I asked how they got to where they were, they just said things like, well, just pray or meditate or, you know, just sit and talk to God as if it's a friend or, you know, any of those things. And 
while I believed that there was a God, there was nothing about me that felt I was worthy of having such a power love me, take care of me. I was worthless. I, I had, there was no self-esteem. The, the inverse of my ego was so huge that I was just, you know, the lowest of the scum. Why would God care about me? God's more concerned with, you know, people who believe in him that do what they're supposed to do. And thankfully, someone guided me to this particular meeting where I was finally taught after 13 years in OA that the way to God was through the steps. There's my answer. I kept asking, how do you get there? How do you get there? And nobody could tell me. And finally, somebody told me, work the steps, Maura. That's how you get there. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the 12 steps. That's how you get to a God that you can believe in that will work in your life. And, and then, you know, something happened. I realized that all along God had been there for me even before I asked him. These things are possible because I have a belief in God and I know he's there. But I'm also here to tell you that if you don't have a belief in God, he's still there. You are loved. We are all loved by some power greater than ourselves. And all we need to do is open this book, follow the 12 steps with the guide who has recovered, and you can have this. There's 432 of us on this phone today. There are at least 432 of us that believe in some way, shape, or form. Some way, shape, or form. Hold on to that little nugget. Reach out your hand and ask for a sponsor. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Maura Z. And now we have two more minutes. So if someone would like to take that two minutes, and you'll be our last share today. Okay, one more time. Does anybody want to take two minutes? Pete B. Maggie A. Pete, I heard Pete first. Pete, go ahead. Are you there? We're down to one minute now. One more time, uh, Pete. I, I, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, Penny, I couldn't unmute. So, the, uh, Pete, the compulsive recovered today by minute. God's grace and mercy. Um. So, I don't have to wait till the second hour. I just wanted to say that you know when we talk about without knowledge. You know, I like to re- I like to think about that as I, w- without knowledge of the condition, right? And this book, what we read to date, speaks specifically about this condition being, in my humble opinion, the worst condition on the face of this earth. There's nothing more devastating than the disease of compulsive overeating or the disease of addiction. And contrary to popular belief, it does not say that we need to believe in God, Right On page 13, at the very bottom, it says that belief in the power of God is what is necessary. So we just have to believe, be willing to believe in the power of God. You know, I have a friend that likes to say, like, you know, in, in Overeaters Anonymous or AA, you know, we ask you to choose your own, choose your own God. And then, and then we have a problem with God, right? Like, we, you know, we, we have to, we, we get to define that God. And that's the good news. So, you know, the, the essential requirements are 
just being willing, right? Uh, just being willing to believe. And that's all we need for, the be- for a beginning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, PP. Just on time. Okay, so we'll now close. Thank you very much, everyone who shared. We'll close now with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And um, Marie J., would you read that selection for us? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Penny. This is Marie J., recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.